Tonight's command, uh, um, command of Christ, is be a servant. It's really a simple command that doesn't require much study into. Uh, Jesus lays it out pretty plain and clear in Matthew chapter 20, verses uh, 20 through 28. And if you want to turn over there, that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this evening. In fact, I joked with Sarah after lunch today, I said, this is one of those commands that I could just get up, read Jesus' words, and say, there it is. Got it? Good. Let's stand and sing. It is really that simple. Jesus wants us to be a servant. But sorry to let those of you down who think or hope that that's going to be the case tonight. But seeing as I went way over this morning, hopefully tonight's lesson should close that gap a little bit. Now tonight as we consider this teaching of Christ, let us consider a few things. First, how have we been served in our life? And second, how can you be a servant to someone else? This is really what is at the heart of Jesus' teaching. The command we're studying tonight, again, is found uh, in verse 26 of Matthew chapter 20. But to get the full scope of the context, we're going to start back at verse 20 of chapter 20. Now, I squeezed it all on one slide because I was lazy and I didn't want to make multiple slides. So follow along in your Bibles tonight or, or, the, or the app if you want. Because um, uh, we're going to read bits and pieces at a time, talk about it, and then apply this. So uh, let's start in verse 20 and go through verse 24. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, that is Jesus, with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They, being the sons of Zebedee, said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. So, first of all, I find this story a little humorous. It's such a mom thing that's going on. This is, this is totally a mom thing. You know, every mom wants what's best for their kids, right? And that's basically what's happening. A lot of moms can identify with Mama Zebedee here. James and John's mom, these James and John, remember the sons of Zebedee, she desired great things for her sons as well. After all, they left their dad and their jobs as fishermen with the family business to go and follow Jesus. Now, although she was seeking the best for her children, she really had no idea the significance of what she was asking. Jesus details that to serve in his kingdom means to sacrifice and to suffer. That's what he means by, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And oftentimes you may refer to, or you may uh, look at Jesus' prayer in the garden when he asks God for the cup to pass from him. He often refers to the suffering and his death and, and sacrifice as a cup. Now, on top of the suffering and sacrifice that was needed to serve in the kingdom, the positions that Mama Zebedee was asking for was not Jesus's to grant. Jesus didn't have a position to grant someone left and right hand uh, seats, if you will, in heaven. Now, this indicates to me once again that the apostles, at least John and James, still had no idea what the kingdom of heaven meant. 
had no idea what the kingdom was that Jesus was talking about. And to that point, neither did their mom. Because if mom understood this, if James and John understood this, then mom and Jesus would have never had this conversation. But in verse 24, we see that the other apostles were quite displeased at this request. Now, I don't know if that indicates that they were upset with James and John for not getting it yet, or that they were upset that they didn't think to get their mom involved. So after admonishing mom and asking if the two sons would be willing to sacrifice and suffer for his sake, he then takes this opportunity to teach this lesson. Let's continue now in verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be a servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In order to be great in the kingdom of heaven, one must serve. What better example of servanthood do we have than Jesus himself? As Jesus says, he did not come to this earth to be served. He came to serve. You see, the Jews and the disciples here as well were looking for a ruler, a royal and mighty king to save them from Rome. And with this, of course, would come the grandeur of holding such a title and an office, servants and and left hands and right hands, etc. The Jews were looking for another David. But the Jews were looking for another King David. But what the Jews got was the shepherd David. A man, after God's own heart, willing to lay down his life for his sheep and take on the giant of sin that we could never tackle alone. Even as as the Son of Man came to serve, so should we. And this is an important lesson that every Christian needs to remember. It's It's something that we need to put into practice in our daily lives but yet it goes so much against what the world wants us to believe. So tonight, in order to encourage us to be more willing to serve, let us recall that we have been served by greatness many times over in our life. First and foremost, we have been served by Jesus. There it is. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 20. That he came to serve, not to be served. And I think it goes without saying that what Jesus did to be a servant, but I'm going to say it anyway, he served us by willingly giving himself up as a ransom, dying a painful, brutal death on the cross for our sins. And what's even more encouraging is what's found here in Hebrews chapter 7, the fact that Jesus is still serving us right now as our high priest who intercedes for us. Listen to what Paul writes in his letter to the Hebrews, verse 23, chapter 7. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, 
That's key, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, and we'll see other ways in which we've been served and by whom. Now in this, we see a couple of things, um, who we've been served by in our life. So let's go ahead and read this. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So in this, from Peter, we see that we have also been served greatly by the prophets, by the Holy Spirit, and by the apostles. The prophets spent their lives in service for our benefit. Peter writes, but they didn't do it alone. The Holy Spirit guided them in this inspiration, and thus we find that we've also been served by the Holy Spirit, who also inspired and guided the apostles to reveal the gospel to the world. And that is how we were served by the apostles, says Peter. Now the apostles were the ones who preached the good news to us by the Holy Spirit. Because of the apostles and their service to us through their inspired words and actions, we all have come to believe in Christ. So we've been served by Jesus through the gospel that He's provided, through His death, burial, and resurrection, His personal ministry, the examples and teachings that He provided, most of which we've been going over in depth over the past several months, And all of those things, his life, his teachings, etc., were done so to fulfill the prophets whom we have also been served by through the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit, who again inspired the apostles to record the gospel and pass it on to the world. So finally, let us consider how we've been served by other Christians. Someone else taught us the gospel. Someone revealed the scriptures to us. Others continue to teach the gospel to us, to our children, etc. Some write books to help us better understand and apply the scriptures in our lives. Some have made it possible for us to assemble here together in a clean church building every week with fresh cut grass. And let me just say to those of you who serve in this way, thank you. I think it's one of the most overlooked ways in which someone can serve the church. It's often one of the most thankless jobs, really, in the church. So let me thank you. We may have been served by fellow Christians in the past by a card, a visit, prayers for a sickness or traveling. And this list goes on and on. And I'm sure you can look and and think of all the ways in which fellow Christians have served you in some way. But the point I want to make is that so many have rendered so much service And because of this, sometimes it's easy to feel complacent or pampered. It can lead to thinking, well, someone else is doing the serving, so I'll just enjoy the service. 
We have been served by greatness in so many ways, but are we taking it for granted? I hope not. Now, one of the ways that we can show our appreciation for this service is by emulating those who have served us. So let us now look at some ways that we can serve others as well. The first way, and possibly the most important, is to serve others through evangelism. It's something I've been saying a lot lately and something I've, I'm becoming more and more excited and more and more driven to start our evangelism class here in the coming weeks or months, depending on when we decide to start it up. But this is our job. Evangelism is our job that Christ commissioned us for in Matthew chapter 28. Someone led you to Christ, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you not also lead someone else to Christ? Now the golden rule is not just about how you interact with people, but how you should look at evangelism as well. You can do this. You can serve others by, in this way by first being hospitable, offering acts of kindness and service without the expectation of payback or without the expectation of receiving greatness in heaven. That's another key to this as well. At the very least, you can accomplish this by inviting someone else to services with you or offer up a Bible study. And to that extent as well, you can... Train up in the ways of evangelism. Devote yourself to scriptures and hone your skills in personal evangelism. And this is, this is the goal of our upcoming classes that I I've, I've, that I've spoke about. I want to improve my ability to be able to share the gospel to others and then share that knowledge with the body as well. And I think we can all do that together. The only way that we can reach the, girl, uh, reach the world with the gospel is to learn how to teach it and then do it. And this brings me to my second point. We can serve others through edification. With so many contributing to your spiritual growth, how can you help others in the same way? Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus to edify one another in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up or edifies itself in love. To do this, we must first strive to be present every time the body gathers here together. In this way, you have more opportunities to edify one another. But also, you know who's here and who's missing and the needs of those in the body and also how to be a servant to them. Take the time to greet everyone. Now, I know this is hard, especially with two exits from our building. It's not always easy to grab everybody and say hello or see how everyone's doing before they leave. And sometimes people just say, I'm doing fine. But we all know that we're not all doing fine. But if we take time to fellowship with one another, to have conversations with one another, to be present with the body in fellowship, then we can find those times when they need, when they need us the most. Now, it doesn't always have to be in person. It can be by phone. It can be by text message. It can be by Facebook. Let them know you care and wish for them to be edified in love. Take special interest in those who are new to the congregation 
encourage them, edify them, help them find ways in which they can serve as well. Now, Clint spoke about this last week. He was leading singing last week, and last Sunday night took the opportunity to thank the congregation for giving him an opportunity to serve. There are people who want to serve, but maybe are afraid to, they don't know how to, or haven't been encouraged enough to do it. So we can edify one another in those ways. Fellowship and conversation with each other helps open doors. Offer to teach. Teach the children's classes or assist in teaching a children's class. Teach an adult class. Attend the Bible studies. Start a Bible study. Find ways in which you can serve the church through volunteer efforts, whether inside or outside the worship. And finally, you can serve others through benevolence. Show kindness to others both inside and outside the body. Paul also teaches the church at Ephesus this in the same chapter, in chapter 4, just a few verses after what we just talked about in verse 32. Paul writes, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. We can do this by visiting those in the body, whether they are sick or healthy. Fellowshipping with one another, offering to help those who are sick or elderly with basic things such as cleaning, transportation, running errands, etc. We have members who I've spoken to on Sunday mornings that say, I can't be here on Sunday night, I don't like driving at night. I've offered transportation, but maybe that's something others can offer as well. If enough people offer to drive them, maybe they'll take one of us up on the offer. Minister to the poor, the hungry, or those who are in need. We still have homeless bags in the office here. We put those together a couple months ago. Take one. Keep it in your car. Keep it with you when you go on a road trip or go out somewhere. You never know who you could impact with your benevolence. If you see someone on the corner with a sign and you're headed to get a meal, you don't have to give them money. Give them a bag of food and a drink. Sometimes that's what they need to be edified that day. Most of all, the important thing to take away from tonight's command of Christ is to be people of service. Ones who serve others and not just benefit from the efforts of others. Producers, if you will, rather than consumers. Serving others is not just the path to greatness in the kingdom, but it's also the path to happiness in life. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul to the elders at Ephesus, recorded in Acts chapter 22, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let us follow the example of our loving Lord and Savior and live to serve others as he came to this world to do. If there's a way that the church can serve you tonight in any way, if you wish to be baptized, now is the time that you can come forward while we stand and sing.